last week, Atlanta and really the nation got to see inside the courtroom and hear fiery testimony from Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis and Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade in what will be a disqualification decision from Fulton County Judge Scott McAfee into whether the Fulton County District Attorney and her team will be allowed to continue their pursuit and indictment of former President Donald Trump and his co-defendants in a case that has taken the nation by storm. Again, that testimony capturing attention from all of you watching and, of course, so many people that have questions into what the disqualification decision will mean for Fonnie Willis, for the former president, and all those involved. To talk about that, I want to bring in criminal defense attorney and legal analyst Josh Schiffer. Uh, a lot took place last week that we all tried to wrap our heads around, but uh, it was quite passionate to hear from the Fulton County District Attorney and people in her innermost circle talk about uh, uh, really the relationship that was had with Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade and addressing some of the allegations tied to that relationship. I think every single lawyer in America is watching this case like their favorite uh, soap opera. It is like nothing we've ever seen before, and I hope people understand and appreciate exactly how rare that kind of hearing was last week. What we're expecting soon, as soon as tomorrow, is Judge McAfee to come out with a ruling uh, or other guidance or statement from the court regarding Mr. Roman's motion to disqualify District Attorney Fonnie Willis. We heard two just incredibly detailed, fascinating, interesting days of testimony for multiple witnesses, including District Attorney Fonnie Willis herself, as well as Mr. Wade, the special prosecutor she selected in order to head up the Trump prosecution along with his co-defendants. So what are we expecting? Here are five things to keep an eye out for when we hear from Judge McAfee as soon as tomorrow. First thing I want you to keep an eye out for is whether Judge McAfee telegraphs anything about the evidence that he has had an opportunity to review in camera, which means in his chambers, that the rest of us didn't get to see. There was testimony involving Mr. Terrence Bradley, Nathan Wade's former law partner, testimony involving the dates when or when he didn't know that Mr. Wade and Miss Willis were involved in an intimate relationship. That testimony did not come out in open court because of legal privilege, and there was an argument over whether that privilege had been waived or breached or whether it applies appropriately. But what we do know is that Judge McAfee heard directly from Mr. Terrence Bradley and his attorney, B.C. Chopra, back in chambers. So keep an eye out for what, if anything, has been telegraphed from that private in-camera hearing. We also may see new filings. That's number two. Just because a hearing has been had doesn't mean the parties are prevented from filing additional motions. There could be additional evidence that people are trying to bring up, additional arguments. Judges' emails are open. There's a lot of discussion that we're not privy to since we only get to see what happens in open court and what's filed on the clerk's website. And please remember, clerk's website in Fulton County is a disaster right now. Fulton County is recovering from a massive hack of their internal IT systems, and public access, including for lawyers, has not been restored here in Fulton County for the Superior Court. We also want to keep an eye out for what happens immediately after Judge McAfee speaks and whether he chooses a remedy or not. 
pretty much no matter what Judge McAfee does, I expect one party or another to announce an intent to appeal. How that appeal interplays with the calendar that we're looking at, how that appeal interplays with whatever the order or remedy that Judge McAfee chooses, that's a lot of really interesting stuff because it could stop this prosecution or they could be barreling full speed ahead. No one knows right now but Judge McAfee. We also need to keep an eye out for moves from the district attorney's office. After the hearing, there's been enormous discussion about what Ms. Willis should have done, could have done, would be recommended for her to do, and she's receiving unsolicited advice from every corner of the universe, including some really smart people she may rely on, such as other public figures, people in her political life. She is a very sophisticated political operator, and I'm certain that some of her team is looking at her trying to craft the best possible pathway to move forward a lot of people believe that involves Nathan Wade leaving this prosecution. Whether it was through an order from Judge McAfee or, as many people are suggesting, it should come as Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade take the moral and ethical high road. There's a concept that they can regain the inertia in this prosecution by Mr. Wade making some sort of an announcement that in the best interest of justice, his presence has become too distracting to the important job at hand, and he's going to take one for the team and step aside. That, in many people's eyes, is preferable to an order from the judge enacting some other remedy that Fonnie Willis's office wouldn't have as much control of, and it would remain to be seen that if Mr. Wade did remove himself from the case, whether that alone would satisfy the requests, inquiries, and concerns of the combined defense led by Ashley Merchant and, of course, President Trump, former President Trump's attorney, Steve Sadow. So the let, let me ask you this, Josh, because I think a lot of people are curious. Uh, with that being an option, what is, why do you feel that the Fulton County District Attorney hasn't pursued that move? Uh, it may be a matter of timing. There's a, when I tell you that it's a juggling circus behind the scenes, I can't understate that or overstate that enough. The number of things that Fonnie Willis has in a normal day to handle, decision-wise, it's an immense list. Adding this incredibly high-priority, high-scope trial with her personal involvement, that's really blowing her bandwidth out of the water. So it's very difficult for her to make the right decisions. I'm sure she's taking her time so that when she does make announcements, those are the announcements that she have her full faith and support, as well as that of her team. Um, so it may literally be that they're waiting for something, such as a catalyst or trigger, one of the things that oftentimes happens is behind the scenes, and it's the unofficial conversation going on between the parties. While there are ex parte rules that prohibit certain kinds of communications when both parties aren't represented, there's always a discussion taking place behind the scenes, generally via email and texts and cell phones between the participants about what should happen, what is happening. It's the, ev it's the evidence of professionalism between the parties. And, you know, as we follow this, we're taking a look at some of the key players uh, that were presented uh, to I give testimony to that appeared in this hearing. Um, anything that could come from them as we await this decision and in the moments after? On well, one of the things we're waiting for is the discovery and, and, and submission of additional evidence. If more people heard things, have things to add, the evidence collection doesn't stop on behalf of the defendants. 
uh, or the prosecution for that matter. As we just saw in some media reports, there was bolstering statements made uh, by someone who interacted with Bonnie Willis at a winery in Napa, where the winery operator specifically was quoted by the press remembering Bonnie Willis, remembering the cash payments at the winery and how different they were compared to the usual client who paid with a credit card. There may be more issues like that raised by both sides in an attempt to sway the court and the court of public opinion. And, you know, we talk about this testimony and the the consequences of something like this. For the, the parties that brought forward this motion, this allegation, uh, I guess, give me their perspective. What are they looking for and, and uh, what do they hope to get out of this? So I'll start at the very far and I'll just say a little bit unrealistic part of the spectrum, that if they ran the table the defense. There would be an excoriating order from Judge McAfee that would, dis uh, that would disqualify Fonnie Willis's office. Everybody that worked on Fonnie Willis's uh, presentation of this case, including the grand jury, there could be really serious questions about the legitimacy of that uh, process. And in a worst case scenario, judges have a lot of discretion. It could open up the case in ways that the defense would just pick it apart and it would be dead in the water. That is the power and influence and discretion a judge has. But that's really not that likely. I don't believe Scott, Judge McAfee has the justification for a real scorched earth approach based on what the district attorney has admitted and what we saw in court. What's a little bit more realistic are some very strong words and actions to protect the integrity of this case. It's indisputed that there was a relationship. How that relationship was presented or not presented, the actions of the state in trying to prevent a lot of this testimony, and then basically saying, all right, we'll just admit it. That can land very poorly with a judge who is concerned with government transparency and fairness. So that brings up the variety of remedies Judge McAfee can apply, starting with disqualifying uh, D.A. Willis, which would then in add, include her entire office, every single person who's worked on the case. That would result in a reassignment of the case to another prosecutor somewhere else in Georgia who may do what with, it, with it, whatever they want. We could also see more limited remedies, such as the specific removal of individuals or limiting instructions or other um, checks and balances the court can apply in order to maintain and ensure the independence and transparency of the state's prosecution. Remember, this case already has had D.A. Willis disqualified from prosecuting at least one person that otherwise would have been included in this case. That's because D.A. Willis held a fundraiser for the political opponent of that potential co-defendant and in fact still employs the wife of uh, Charlie Bailey, who is a former Fulton County prosecutor that Miss Willis uh, was supporting politically against an individual, and that caused Judge McBurney previously to prevent Miss Willis from bringing charges against that individual due to the conflict. So there's a lot of remedies out there. I don't see Judge McAfee having to take the strongest uh, orders if there is a more reasonable remedy that protects the process. That's why I feel Mr. Wade may be uh, leaving this case. That's my personal opinion.
Well, let's talk about uh, Judge McAfee for a moment, because uh, this has been brought up. The the ties that McAfee has had previously to Fonnie Willis, both in donating uh, to Willis prior to being appointed to this case, prior to, to, to this a relationship that they have where he is overseeing the indictments that she's pursuing, and then also working with the district attorney uh, in the past. Does that have any impact on what we could see happen now? So there's a couple different ways to interpret that. Um, and I'll just list a, a few. The courts are very clear in Georgia that previously working for someone that is now a judge or with someone that is now a judge and people donating money to each other prior to getting an appointed or elected position, that's all fine. There are Supreme Court cases in Georgia on point that the payment of $150 as a donation to Fonnie Willis prior to Judge McAfee's appointment and prior to her actually winning the race against former District Attorney Paul Howard, that's ethically absolutely clean. And it would really be a little silly to say that a $150 donation was substantive enough to actually cause any change in circumstances on a particular case. It is regular and routine that judges, prosecutors, uh, lawyer we're all in the same nasty pool sometimes, uh, and donating money is a regular occurrence. So that's a bit of a red herring. Similarly, Judge McAfee worked with Fonnie Willis under Paul Howard's uh, administration, and there's the appearance that there could be some sort of ethical conflict. However, that is so remote, it has also been dealt with by our courts, stating that just working together does not impute enough conflict to force any kind of a recusal. And uh, as we follow all sides of this issue. Uh, that decision could come down as soon as tomorrow. It could also uh, not happen tomorrow. That's still very up in the air. Uh, but for those out there watching this, what are the main things to take away from this conversation as we look ahead? The big thing that I want people to focus on is what happens immediately before the announcement. And it's kind of the wait and see approach that we're all doing today. There could be a spontaneous announcement from the DA's office at any time involving actions they took in, in, in expectation of a ruling from Judge McAfee, and that is a power play because if they address the underlying issues prior to Judge McAfee's issuance of an order, of an order that's them grabbing control of a situation rather than giving that power to Judge McAfee. At the same time, everybody needs to be looking at Judge McAfee's words very carefully because that order is going to reflect what he took away as the trier of fact in the motions hearing. He had to listen to all of the testimony, and if you watched it, some of it, I feel, is very reliable. Parts of it appeared extraordinarily evasive. There were some contradictory statements, inconsistent statements, and if you want to go to the far end of that spectrum, there are many people calling for an investigation into the statements made by these badge-carrying prosecutors under allegations of perjury. And while that is a very serious charge, it is a legitimate one because there have been changes in testimony and Mr. Wade has gone back and amended some of his filed sworn responses in the divorce that's at the heart of all of these issues. And as we continue to follow all of the developments that come out of uh, what is anticipated to be a decision that captures the nation, uh, 
you have been such an integral part of bringing us legal analysis and helping us digest and break down what all of this means and, and the impacts that we could see in the future. If people want to connect with you, I, I know you're a, a, a highly respected criminal defense attorney here in Atlanta. How should they find you? Uh, the best way is literally uh, Google me or try to find me on what formerly was called Twitter, now X. <laughs> I really don't do any marketing. I don't even know if I've got a website up right now. Um, because almost all my work comes from people that really seek me out. But I'm available. Hunt me down. It's Josh Schiffer, not Claudia Schiffer. That'll date you. <laughs> Very important distinction. Josh Schiffer, thank you so much for joining us here on Atlanta News First Plus. We'll be taking you back now to your regularly scheduled programming. Make sure you have the Atlanta News First app downloaded. Any updates, developments, and that big decision to come down will be sent directly to your phone via push notification so you don't miss a thing. Have a great day.